Hey, you like cars? Well, so do I. Take a seat real quick. You're listening to Car Quicks. Car Quicks. Nothing crazy, nothing crazy. Little dang, chill with the mic, son. Um, you know, I'm just gonna write up a quick little 16. Nothing too crazy. You know, I don't want to get everybody, you know, too excited thinking that I'm about to drop the album. Anyways, it's been a good week as usual. No complaints, no complaints is my go to. I say there's no complaints. Um, there's plenty of things that you could complain about. I choose to not get involved with trying to complain too much about anything because things could be a lot worse but on to the cars it wasn't there's some news this week you know a couple things I was reading about um but really what this one's about is kind of like one of the more bigger moments that happened and it's past now um plenty of people already kind of spoke on it already had their piece but I did not give my words on it so I want to kind of talk about, you know, the things that I was reading into and kind of something that speaks to who I am, something that is very important to me or something that I really love and identify to. So I went to, you know, speak on that. Hope everybody else is doing good out there. Hope you all feeling well, doing well, family's well, health as well, mental health as well, health as wealth, you know. And so this week, what I want to talk about is Tokyo Auto Salon. Now, I know I mentioned it last week when I was kind of ranting and ranting. I don't even know if I was raving. I was more ranting about the fact that the Nissan GTR is identical to the one before. But we're not going to go down that rabbit hole again, okay? You already know what it is. If you want a GTR, go cop. If you don't, don't cop. But the reason why it was important I talked about that first is because I wanted to get kind of into the weeds, not not let's say into the weeds, but I want to get into the the world of the Tokyo Auto Salon and why it's so important, why people care. And I'm not really a voice of a person that's been to the show or I'm not like some, you know, pioneer of JDM culture or JDM cars. I'm just a person from the outside. I'm just a dude that watched it and looks at videos and looks at websites and just loves the coverage, loves the videos, the YouTube shots and... I just want to talk about it, like why why it matters, why people like us care. Some people see this stuff and they're like, yo, this stuff's just overrated. I don't even care. Y'all be putting the same TE37s on the car, same body kit over fenders, rivets on the fenders, everybody. And that's not what it really is. That's just kind of what people see from the outside. So they kind of take that and say, this is what the show is, or this is what it is. But it's much more than that. Kind of to dive into that, 2023 Tokyo Auto Salon just went off. And, I mean, once again, once again, fire was in attendance. I love the show. I'm going to get to the show one day, and that is absolutely the bottom line. Like, I know I mentioned that before. Like, I'm getting to the show. I don't care. It's going down however it has to go down. And that is kind of an important thing for me. But the Tokyo Auto Song went off, um, and, man... The show is so 
is so cool to me because it's like it's everything under the sun is there and represented and modified with its own style, with its own, you know, grace, with its own feeling, with its own energy. Like people are doing what they want to do at a high level. And that's kind of one of the knocks that some people have about certain car shows that we have in the States where sometimes we go to these shows and like the level of quality is just kind of like we get into this respect all builds. And then some stuff comes in the front door and it's like, come on, man, like we're doing a judged event. Like at some point you got to rise to the occasion and represent at the highest level. It's kind of like getting sent to the Olympics. It's like, okay, cool. Everybody runs and plays basketball and does this. And there are many good athletes, but we come on, we're at the Olympics right now. We need the best of the best. And I think that's another long conversation, maybe another episode. We kind of get into the whole car shows in the States. And, and this is kind of becoming a thing amongst some of the people that, you know, compete and actually put together these car shows where they're like hey the standards need to be raised up i know that happened to a situation in the city i live in where the judges were like hey man just want to kind of put this out there like y'all ain't really coming hard enough and folks was mad and i was in the back like i'm glad somebody said it because i just spent 25 dollars and i saw bacon fenders and overspray paint and folks was like yo why not win i'm like i can tell you (laughs) but tokyo auto salon is really cool because It's just high quality. It's just really high quality. Now, I'm also saying this from a person looking at pictures. And, you know, sometimes things from a picture, when you get up close to person, it ain't really what you think. But just judging off of the pictures, judging off of the videos I've seen, judging off of the people that actually are on the ground floor at this show, the quality and the execution is always the things that stand out. It's always the the way people show that the JDM car culture is so amazing it's so cool because it's just a care there is a care in what they're doing and there isn't really much judgment on what everybody decides to do and decides to like and what they do they just they just embrace it all whatever it may be it can be bozuku style cars with crazy over fenders and crazy front lips and wild paints and exhaust that are shaped like hearts coming out the side of the car it can be the minivans modified it can be the crazy track builds things that look like jgtc cars or super gt it can be the vintage cars it can be the drift builds it can be the luxury it can be the exotic it can be the you know tuner cars it can be the stuff that i'm into that's built with you know wide body kits and everything of that nature that is what makes the show so so loved and why everybody likes it so much and that's why also i have such a drawing to it and so, and I'm going to get to that in later in the episode and talk about like why I care. And so anyways, at this show, one of the big things that was shown was the new Nissan Z. So we already know Nissan Z came out, replacement to the 370Z. Um, its predecessor was a 350Z. Before that, it was 300Z. Before that, you got the 280, the 260, the 240. And I'm sure I'm missing something else before that. So... Whoever is like the true historian is going to, you know, come around and tell me like, oh, you missed the other one from this. I'm like, listen, my bad. But these cars are important. And the new Z is, and I know we kind of, everybody says 400 Z, but they didn't really give it that name. They just call it Nissan Z. So I might at times say 400 Z, Nissan Z, but we're talking about the new one. Twin turbo V6, 400 horsepower. 
great platform and everybody came through to try to throw some mods at it. And some of the ones that are stands out looked crazy. So for one, they had a few that were at the show that really made it it's always cool when a new car comes out that everybody wants to attach themselves to in order to do something for the aftermarket because we don't always get that the last time that happened was like the frs and the brz you have the gr86 which is also a part of the gr86 and the brz which is also part of this year's you know tokyo auto salon as far as like the car of the show and then before that you might have had cars like you know supras and sylvia's and you know skylines and things of that nature those become like the cars of the show the gtr used to be was one at one year when it kind of first came out but it's been around for so long that they're there but everybody's kind of like listen we already know what you're going to do because again same car um so for the nissan z one of the best ones that i've seen there that i particularly like that i just kind of gravitated towards was the pandem rocket bunny kit on the new z i mean this thing is super chunky but it looks so good. Now, Pandem, most of the kits there obviously look really good aired out. Like, that's kind of like one of the few things that make it look so amazing. But other noticeable companies was a company called, I think it's called like Car Crew or Crew Car. Or it might have been like Crew Wrench or something. But they had a design that was kind of like an old, it, it kind of had an ode to the old drag racing days. And that's something that was really cool. They had drift builds. Cusco had a car there for the new Nissan Z. It had the same Pandem kit. Theirs was interesting because it kind of reminded me of somebody that was building a car for like Autocross or US or CCA. Like had, you know, deep dish RPF1, NK wheels, duck bill spoiler, all black. It was very clean. It, this one looked very much like a street car, like somebody that had a look and a vision now I'm going to make a street car because sometimes some of the wide body kits and some of the ones that they build, they are, they're kind of like aggressive because they're aired out on the ground. And most of the time when you see that, you're like, OK, it's kind of like a show car. Like you're not really going to drive it. Or if you're like me, when you see the cars driving, they have to air up or be at a certain level of stance where it kind of loses. It kind of loses a little bit of how it how it flows. I'm a person that likes how cars drive by and at the stance they're at. Like to me, it matters not just when you're parked, but when you're driving and you see it moving past you, and you're like, "Oh, this looks really good." Sometimes I don't like cars that have air suspension because when they're raised up and they're driving, it looks kind of funky. It's like frumpy. It's like, oh, look at your front ends, weight raised up. It looks kind of, eh, it looks kind of iffy. Then when they park and you're like, oh, okay, now it looks dope. But I kind of like cars that have a stance that sets the tone even when they're driving and as well as when they're parked. So Cusco had that car build. Pandan brought out theirs, full air suspension, super wide wheels. I don't even know what wheels it had on it. I'm, not, I'm looking through a picture right now to kind of refresh my memory on what wheels it had on that pandem one i think it was a ssr sp1s or something of that nature yeah that was a great it was in the gritty the trust booth and they had this midnight blue dark blue color you know huge dish you know ssr sp1 wheels this thing looks so fire like my goodness you want to talk about presence and cars when they sit down and just how they look i mean this is just one of those things where it's like you see certain cars with certain kits and they just look they just look the part 
Another th- outside of the Z, another cool, very, very, very cool thing that Toyota did is they had some AE86s at the show that were powered by one was an electric engine and the other one's like a hydrogen setup. And I like this because this is kind of the worry that many people have about electric cars is this new introduction of alternative fuels is that it's going to we're going to lose this type of culture with the car like we're going to lose the sound the visceral experience we're going to lose the styling it's all going to become like i've said before eggs on a wheel like nothing shaped cool no spoilers no aggression just everything just mundane trying to be as drag coefficient as possible and now we got these shapes that nothing looks good but this was interesting because they used the older you know late 80s 90s corollas and threw in the newer technology and it was nice because one of them is a high one of them was like a hybrid setup, had like a hybrid engine. One of them was like a hydrogen one. The hybrid one kind of had like an EV one as well, too. But what was cool about it is that it kind of showed you, hey, we can still have the sound, we can still have the the motor part of it, but we also are gonna have the future. And so it was nice to see that because it at least it told you, hey, we're not completely done in the future with technology could actually bring in something that was viable for the future. Now, obviously, hydrogen is a long way away from becoming like something that people are going to put inside their cars because really the infrastructure of it is what is stopping us. But the main point of seeing this at Tokyo Auto Salon was that we got to see what the future could hold for these old classics. And that's the that's an important thing because these cars are only here for only it's only a certain amount of time whoever is preserving them is really going to be the ones that keep these going forward because we're talking about right now 25 year old cars and later on they're they're just as the years go on they get older and older and older and somebody's going to keep it around and somebody's going to do it and that's kind of one of the important things about what toyota did with those cars is that at least it showed them what is possible r34s are in attendance as well you know all the old skylines they're always in attendance. One of them was from a, a company, I think it was called like Kruber, or it was a weird name, but they had an R34 there that was like, had stuff in it that most people wouldn't do. It had like Lambo doors on it. I think it was like a car from somebody else who was just at the booth, but it had like Lambo doors, you know, canards, all this, but it just worked. Like usually that type of thing doesn't work because most people see it and they're like, yo, why would you do that? Like, it was kind of the details. Like, one of the details is, obviously, an R34 doesn't come with any type of Lamborghini, Goldwing-type doors. But this one had them. And usually when you put that on most cars that don't have it, there's kind of like an air of cheesiness that kind of gets put onto the car because we're all like, all right, well, you know, it didn't come with those doors, but okay, fine, you want to do the extras. But some cars pull it off really good. But one of the things on this particular build was that they had the details where they had like cut into the fender where the doors rise up and stop. So it's like the fender was made with this in mind. It was the only place I saw this was actually, you know, documented was on the website Speed Hunters. They had a picture of this fender and the door and like nobody had ever talked about this. And I'm like, see, this is what I'm this is what I'm talking about. This is that execution in the JDM space in Japan where they care, where they do something that you may not necessarily agree to or kind of call corny when it comes to like the doors, but then they're going to execute it in a way that's so good where you're like, man, you mean to tell me you cut into the fender, 
to make an opening for the door so that you didn't have to have it open outside of the fender and you have these wide wider fenders on the car. I mean, it all just works. Like, and that's just that's attention to detail. That is the things that they're gonna do something that maybe you wouldn't necessarily do, but we're gonna do it at the highest level and execute. Obviously, with a build like this, you know, full build on the engine. I don't know what the engine build had. It had a very, very, very dope setup when it came to the twin turbos on it. It had carbon fiber intakes and, you know, welded, you know, piping. It just looked really, really good. The door part to me was kind of like the embodiment of what I speak to about the detail and not missing a beat and also still doing something that you want to do. Like doing something that I'm gonna, we're gonna be on the extreme side, but also I'm gonna execute. And that's what's really, that's what's really dope about what they, what you see at Tokyo Auto Salon. R34s are there. We also had um, another company, which, you know, there's a soft spot in my heart for RX7. And I'm probably gonna say the name wrong. So somebody's gonna come in here and tell me, or some comment's gonna say RE Amaya, RE Amaya. If you're into RX-7s, you know who I'm talking about. I'm going to get this pronunciation right. I should have looked this up before I even started speaking on this. I can say it correctly. But they had a booth of RX-7s. And, the, man, their RX-7s, I mean, there is, there is not a time when they haven't built the best ones that I've seen in my time. It's just something about RX-7s when they look aggressive there can be a very clean build simple body wheels but i love the very much track inspired design of certain kits on the rx7 it just fits the bill so well the car flows so good when you get to that track style body kit arrow it just it just looks amazing and so they had a booth with a bunch of those cars one of the standouts though was that they made a convertible out of one of them and it was a wide body kit. I don't know who made the kit. It may have been from Ariamaya. It could have been like a Rocket Bunny kit or something of that nature. I don't think it was. But they had a convertible version RX-7, yellow, red seats, interior. I mean, it just looks so solid. It was just extremely good. It was cool because the convertible part of it was made like a speedster where they had the humps behind like the driver and the passenger door to kind of have a flow of the air going past them so it wasn't completely flat in the back very much like you know speedsters that you see in some of the exotic cars or some of the old school ones like jaguars or ferraris it just look really really dope they had old school fc which i wanted i hope there's a video later on on this um fc they had because it was powered by a four-rotor but this four-rotor wasn't turbocharged at all it had it had ITBs, individual throttle bodies sitting off of it. And I know for a fact this sounds bonkers. And so I'm hoping maybe Speed Hunters or Larry Chan or some of these people I follow on YouTube, one of them gets over to them and gets to drive or hear or sound, see what this sounds like. I'm probably gonna have to just search Arimaya on YouTube and see if there's anybody else who came out there and did a video or something on that car because ITBs on the four rotor. Come on now. You already know this sounds ridiculous. On top of that, they had they had a really cool old school GTR. Um, carbon fiber over fenders, 
what it looked like, it was like some 18-inch Wantana B wheels, but I think in one of the videos I saw from a gentleman called Sticky Diljo, it was actually like 17-inch wheels, but because the car was slammed so low to the ground, they just looked really, really big. But that was another testament to just showing like the quality of the car and what and what they do. And also with that, it it kind of showed the execution again of like, okay, we're going to show the old school, we're going to bring in the new school. That's one of the reasons why I love this show and what they do there. They had the obligatory Sylvia's and S15s. There was an extremely fire-looking S13. It was actually, you know, it wasn't an S13. It was a Sil 80. It had an S13 front end, you know, 180SX rear. I don't remember the company. I'm actually looking at the picture right now. Um, it was a nice bright blue color, but just everything was really, really flowed. The front end reminded me of the old school GP Sports um, body kit where it had a very fat opening that was square with the S13 square headlights, over fenders. Um, it had, no, this is not really over fenders. This is more like the flared over fenders, which normally when you put those on a car, everybody has seen it so many times. They're kind of like, eh, whatever. You just do the same thing. This one kind of flowed really well because it cleaned up the lines. It wasn't a lot of rivets or any at all. And just everything works so well. Something about a Sil 80, especially on the 180 SX, gives me kind of like a American muscle car type flow. Like when you see them built with the right wheels, maybe has lettering on the tires. It kind of gives it that NASCAR IMSA type feel. I might be the only one of things like that, but whenever I see that, that's kind of what it reminds me of. And that was one of the things that I had dreamed of doing when I had a 240 SX um, years ago. I just didn't have the money to do the front-end conversion, and it was a new thing. Not that it was new to people in Japan, but when I was trying to do that on a 240SX back in the early 2000s, it was like, it was just an unknown thing. I wasn't also, I wasn't in, like, California in some circle of people that were doing this. I was in a circle of people on the East Coast that were just, like, learning what this was. And having been a fan of it, I just never got to that point. But whenever I do see it, it just it's a soft spot for me. And maybe one day... If I have the means to have yet another car, then I can probably build one out and, and do that. But I don't know who made this one. I'm looking at it so much that I'm going to do what I used to do back in the day is you look at the pictures from Tokyo Auto Salon and you start zooming in on the names on the car, like the stickers they might have on that, the roof banner, and then basically go and find out who, who built it. That's just that's the game we play. Zoom in on the pictures, find the name, search the name, find out who did it. Um, another car that was really, really cool was a Samurai Jimmy. Now, the Jimmy is a cool little truck that they only, Suzuki Jimmy, which they only made overseas, which I wish you could import here. I wish they would have brought it over here because, to me, I've seen conversions where they make these things look like little mini G-Wagons, which I wouldn't do that. I like them for what they are just by the name. But they're nice, square, little, like the old, um, what was it, Suzuki Sidekick? My sister had one of those. Squared little, you know, truck. I just love the way those look. And I we don't have any of them here. And I wish we could bring some to the U.S. because those are cool little commuter cars. They always had, like, all-wheel drive, and they had a cool aftermarket. And this particular one has that look that they used to do on those sidekicks or they or the Samurais. They would have them, like, kind of have over-fenders, a little bit lower street tires, kind of fat, you know, fat, meaty tires. But then, like, the wheel stance is kind of pushed out to the, to the edges of the corner of the fenders. Just I remember seeing this when I was in California. So this is kind of a look where most people are going to kind of like be like, what are you talking about? Like, why would I want a square SUV little Jeep thing lower down? I'm like, listen, it's it's an acquired taste. I'm not going to say it's it's not, but it's something that 
you get to love and you get to know when you see these things. So that was one of those that I really liked as well. Also, they had there was the GR86 and and even the old FRS and the BRZ. Those are going to be staples in in the culture of JDM and especially with the Tokyo Auto Salon. So they had those cars there. And there was one from a company called Valenti who does the lights. Valenti does a lot of very cool headlights and taillight conversions. I'm hoping that they embrace the GR Corolla when I get mine because I have always wanted some lights from this company. Just the taillight LED conversions they do and the designs they do in the lights have just been something that's been really cool to me. But in their booth, they had... Another wide-body GR86. I don't know who made this kit on theirs. It looks like a Liberty Walk kit, and we're going to get to Liberty Walk later. It looks like that. One of the cool things is that it looks like the overfenders were like a darker red carbon fiber. The car was red. You know, gold Valenti, you know, signature livery on the side of the car. And GR86s just look so good with a wide-body kit. I mean, to me... Toyota knew exactly what they were doing when they made that car. And they knew the design, and they also knew who was going to help build and who was going to try to build around it. And I feel like that was one of the reasons why the aftermarket has just basically sunk their teeth into that car and have not let go. Like, it is still considered one of the best platforms to do when it comes to building one of those cars. And speaking of that car and the GR86, the kit that everybody was talking about and waiting for was the one from Voltex. And... Oh, man. You want to talk about delivering on a promise? The Voltex wide-body kit on the GR86 is, okay? That joint is lovely, okay? Front end, the fender, the over fenders, how they flow into the side skirts, how it matches the aggression that you are looking for, the spoiler on the rear. I mean, every article that I've read and video I've seen that people stumbled upon the the Voltex GR86 has said the same thing. They're like, this kit looks amazing. I need this kit. I need to go get it. This is the one. It, there's going to be a ton of builds online about it. I don't know how much the kit costs. Voltex is nothing cheap about them. There shouldn't be anything cheap about them because they make stuff that's very high quality. But what they made for the GR86 is one of the best looking wide body kits you can get on that car. So Voltex was there. They did one. Liberty Walk had theirs too. There was a few Supras in attendance. They actually had a Supra there that had like some three-star wheels. It reminded me of Blaze, you know, if you're from, you know, Texas, that area. I mean, I even saw them on the West and East Coast. But it had some like three-star wheels on a Supra. It didn't, it wasn't my flavor, but it didn't look terrible. And I guess that's more of a testament to the overall styling of the car and the kit and the lip kit they had on it, but it didn't look terrible. It wasn't. It wasn't trash. It wasn't trash. What else was there? Oh, let me just. Okay, I guess I'll jump to. Well, I talked about Rocket Bunny, but I'm gonna jump back to that because on top of Rocket Bunny just delivering all the other body kits that he does. Um, his name is the gentleman that designs them. It's Kimira, or you know, if I'm saying his name correctly. But alongside of the other kits that he had at the show he had ones that were for a lot of the american sports cars that we have for instance at the sema show i didn't have this podcast running when it was a sema show but at the sema show a rocket bunny kid had debuted for the older c5 corvette 
And let me tell you something. This man knows what he's doing. I don't think there's a car that he can't figure out a way to get his look of wide over body fender flares onto that car. Like he hasn't not delivered one time. Like he is able to do it every single time. And I think that's just a testament to his talent. So he made one for the C5 Corvette. It was a dark blue one. He had there some gold wheels fire. Okay, C5 Corvette, flared fenders, it just works. Duckbill spoiler. He did one for the Mustang, like the 2005, say like 2006 Mustang. It might have been a little bit newer. Same kind of over fender design as the Nissan Z. It's like kind of the squared off wheel well, a wheel well opening over fender on that. He then did it also on like an old Trans Am, like from the 70s. 70s, 80s, Trans Am, and one on the Camaro. The Camaro and the Trans Am one fit perfectly. This is like back to the same thing I said, like oval racing, IMSA, um, NASCAR. Like it just looks the part. And I know that some of the designs that he does is influenced from that type of racing and car culture in America. So him doing that on those four cars, like the Corvette, the Mustang, the Trans Am, the other Camaro, I mean, like, they look amazing. And almost to the point where, like, my oldest son, he loves Mustangs. I'm looking at this wide-body kid from Rocket Bunny. He's like, hey, listen, those Mustangs are cheap. And so was that C5 vet. So I'm not putting away the idea of maybe hopefully one day, if all things align, getting something like that, throwing on one of these Rocket Bunny kids and giving it that JDM flair and also my love of American stuff, too. I might lean the JDM way for the things I like or what I would buy for myself, but I love Vets. I love Camaros. I love Mustangs. I love that visceral V8 sound. I love kind of the bruteness of their cars and the cars that we build and what they mean and what they, you know, where they came from. So to be able to throw up my desire of having an American muscle car of any case was to throw some Japanese influence into it for what I liked. And these kits do exactly that. And speaking of a kid, the biggest, outside of the other cars that were there, and I'm kind of like, I'm not giving the full review of every single car that was there. Because if you want to see it, go to all the websites like Speed Hunters. I think Stan Swartz was there. Go to, you know, YouTube. And there's plenty of videos of people that are showing all the cars that were there. Some of the best videos I like are kind of the ones where nobody's talking and they're just walking up to the cars and showing them. When I go to the Tokyo Auto Salon, I'm going to make it, my point to shoot a video where there's no talking it's pretty much just background music that i make and i'm just gonna walk up on all the cars it's gonna take me like two or three days to probably do this but i'm just walking up on all the cars taking video of every single booth and just taking time with each car I mean, i'm sure it's gonna take me hours to do but i've seen a few videos like that from one at sema and it was like the best video it was like yeah somebody went in there shot an hour's worth of just looking at the cars and not saying a word because what happens at a lot of these shows is that there's really cool stuff, but you're never going to see all of it unless you were there. Or if you were there and spent the time to go around to every booth, a lot of times it's just people showing what they liked. Like, oh, I'm going to show you what I liked. I'm going to show you what I thought was cool. And you're just kind of basing off their opinion. You never get to see all the little intricate details, like the cool parts and gadgets and wheels and kits and all this that they're showing around the show. So there's a lot that only I can see here that I know is missed in the grand scheme of things when it comes to the coverage of the Tokyo Auto Salon. 
But one of the biggest things, one of the more controversial things I'm going to spend some time talking about right now was the Liberty Walk. So Liberty Walk is a company that has made modifications to any number of cars. They might have been simple Nissans and Toyotas. It moved on into more exotic cars, Lamborghinis. For instance, he has a Liberty Walk kit for an Aventador or an SVJ, which is crazy because you're chopping up and cutting into fenders into these $400,000, $600,000 cars. He has kits for Ferraris. He has kits for Porsches. He so Liberty Walk has always been on the extreme. That was always the the I don't want to say the goal, but one of the things that Liberty Walk was known for was basically going to the extreme. I'm going to modify something to the extreme. I'm going to you know represent the things that I like, and I'm going to kind of show showcase that at these shows. So at the 2023 Tokyo Auto Salon, one of the big things that was being teased by the gentleman that runs um, Liberty Walk, and I can't pronounce his name, I do know he looks like, was that he was on Instagram hinting at the fact that he was basically about to get the Liberty Walk treatment to a Ferrari F40. Now, I can tell you one thing. Folks were up in arms, okay? Arms to the sky. Unbelievable. Blaspheme flabbergasted they couldn't even believe that somebody would be touching a car like this on what i i'm in i'm in two camps on my thoughts about the whole thing right i can understand both sides and i'm very neutral in it there's a lot of conversation some of the websites that i did coverage on this car pretty much turned off their comments because the comments just dissolved that the people just being pissed off talking about it some getting rude some you know, just showing their true colors of what they think about certain things. And it just got kind of gets out of hand because people just attach themselves to certain cars in a way as if you can't touch them. The Ferrari F40 is one of those pinnacle of car that is in many eyes per perfect from the factory. There's nothing else to do. The Ferrari F40 is that car. It is the pinnacle of for some Ferrari and or it meant so much in the history of why it was made. The twin turbo V8, the squared off design of it, the carbon Kevlar seats in the frame and the fact that it was basically a race car that was hemogulated for the street. And I've been inside of an F40. I mean, it's a race car that somehow was made legal for the streets. There's no creature comforts. This thing is, if you're not a driver driver, if you're not when they say driver mod, you need driver mod plus the other mods on top of the mods. Like, you need to know what you're doing. Plus, they're mad expensive. We're talking about millions of dollars worth of car. And so Liberty Walk, if you're listening, if you've been listening to the episode, you're like, okay, well, this guy must be throwing on these over fenders, these like body kits that look wild on all these other cars, which is cool. But rarely do you see somebody attempt to do this on a car that's so renowned across the globe. We're not talking about people that just like Ferraris or some people that like only like Porsches or Lamborghinis or somebody that likes Bugattis, the F40, even for all the people that might stand 10 toes down in their love for a certain brand will still stand up and salute for the F40. They're going to say, Oh no, that's, I may not be a Ferrari guy, but the Ferrari F40 is a totally different bag. That's something else. That car is amazing. So he has an F40 and he, Gives it the Liberty Walk treatment. Brand new kit, wide body flares, cuts into 
the Fenders at the show, which to me is really cool because I say performative art and also performative art and kind of like a backhand to the people that he knows is making the comments about why would you do this to an F40? You just ruined it. All your cars suck. You don't know what you're doing. You just been slapping fender flares on cars. You ain't designed nothing. You ain't make it better. You made it slower. You made it worse. It's air suspension. It can't do nothing. People just mad. And so to see him do this at the show, to me, is cool because it kind of goes against the grain. It's kind of like, listen, we're not here forever. These cars are not going to be forever. You can put them inside the museums and case them in glass all you want. But at the end of the day, they're meant to drive on the street and drive on the road. And so I'm going to get one and I'm going to do it the way I want to do it with my own flair because it's mine. And so I can respect that because it's like, hey, he got the money to buy one. I can't buy an F40. Would I do the same thing to an F40? Eh, I don't know. I miss I maybe if I had like a plethora of other supercars and I got to the point where at his age you've driven and been around there for so many years, you need something to excite you, then maybe I'm gonna be like, yo, chop it up. Like what a I'm only gonna be here for a short amount of time. I'm gonna chop it up, they'll be mad, they'll think about it later. Whatever this ends up when I'm not here and gone, it'll go there. So he puts this kid on his car. I mean, to me, it just looks fire because it is basically like the video games. It's me seeing in real life what it would look like if I could take what I've done on like Need for Speed or Forza and like wide body and throwing body kits and wheels or T37s or something on a Ferrari F40 or like F50 in real life because most people are not going to do this. Nobody has done this. That's why it was such a big deal when he was hinting at the fact that he was going to give an F40 the Liberty Walk treatment, which everybody knows what that is. They're like, yo, that means you're about to cut the fenders and throw some wide body ones on there. Now, on the other, on so I like it. I like what it represents. I like what it looks like. Is it the craziest thing ever? No, because we can always simplify somebody's hard work and make it sound like they weren't doing nothing. They can say, oh, it's the same fenders he threw on. He threw on some wider fenders on the front hood and molded something together and threw air suspension on it. And then he put the wheels on with the lettering. It's the same thing, rinse and repeat. But what's interesting is that rinse and repeat for somebody that had the idea for a certain style many years ago still kind of means like they're doing their own unique thing. You might see it emulated now more times, but that's the originator or that's the person that kind of started the trend. It, it's not like we're making new high tops. You might get somebody that can, you know, flare up the fashion of a high top and change it up and change colors, but ultimately at the core of it, you can break it down. Like, oh, look at another high top shoe. We're not doing nothing crazy. Oh, another truck. Oh, another supercar. Got fast engine in this. Oh, another electric car. Got this. Oh, another JDM little hot hatchback. Oh, we got flares and the little motor twin turbo turbo char. We can always do that with anything. We can always break it down to make it sound like nothing of importance has happened. But it is important to understand that Liberty Walk is doing exactly what we always tell people to do. Be your own self. Be your unique self. Do what you want to do. Don't follow the same course of everybody else. Go against the grain. Don't back down. You know, drop all the negativity. Don't listen to what people are saying. Do what you want to do. Head down and grind. And so here we go. Guy gets his own ideas. He wants to do something to an F40. He has the means to go and buy one or he already had one because his business obviously has given him the means to, to achieve more. And he's decided to, hey, all the times I gave it the flair on them Lamborghinis and stuff, I'm doing it on this one. And he's done it on other Ferraris. At the show, he had a flare kit for an F355. He's done it on a Testarossa, which those, both of those look ridiculous. The Lamborghinis are kind of allowed more because for some reason, Lamborghinis are kind of given that 
past of like you can modify them more. But Ferraris, because of like the owners and having worked around Ferrari, they're much more purists about keeping it like it was from the factory. To them, there is no making changes to what Ferrari did. Ferrari did the absolute best that you can ever think of and concoct. And this is what it is. So this is the best they can do. And so to see this, it was a car of the show. Everybody talks about it. I've seen a few videos. I'm hoping this, I'm hoping somebody gets a video of it actually driving like in Tokyo on the highway, maybe going to the Dayaku Circle where the car meets are. Like I want to see it more on the streets. I hope it doesn't just get rendered into being like this poster child of like a middle finger to the culture of like keeping things the same. I wanted to I want to see it out and about. So hopefully he actually drives his car. But on the other end of this. For the people that do not like the car, I can understand what they're saying. And here's what I mean. There's another side of kind of reimagining some of these old classic supercars. And there's a few companies that do that for other manufacturers. Porsche is one of them. So you have companies like Singer and you have Gunther Works. And both of those companies reimagine Porsches and I mean, Singer Porsches are like, you talk about attention to detail at a, at, at one of the highest levels. And Gunther works. I'm saying Singer like they're above all of them. But Gunther and Singer are these two examples. Are, to me, neck and neck. They have their own style and flair. Uh, Singer kind of goes for the older Porsches. Gunther works kind of deals like 993s um, for now. And it's just that on both of them, it's the attention to detail. Like they'll have their own custom-made leather bucket, but the frame of it is like, I don't know what titanium echoes exoskeleton with titanium bolts in it with like vintage brown leather. The outsides a certain crazy, you know, deep green color. The stitching is like, you know, deviated stitching cream with plaid, you know, inserts with carbon fiber with new technology inside of the old vintage look like the chronograph and the gauges look like they came from the 70s but they have the digital display or they look brand new. There's things that you can use to connect your phone, but it's all hidden inside of this very vintage look. But underneath the car, it's 2023. And what most times on the muscle car world, they call like resto mod, where it's like I have a very old looking car on the outside has been restored, but underneath is all new underpinnings for the equivalent car or something similar on a new, on a newer platform. And Gunther Works and Singer, they do that for Porsches. And I'm and they're expensive. Like I think Singers are like in the millions of dollars and Gunther Works as well, too. You cannot get these Porsches for anything less. Like you are getting something that is completely rebuilt, ground up, brand new thinking, brand new molds, and everything. So for the F40, there is a side of me that would have loved to see, or I don't say would have, because maybe it's gonna come. That same level of like reimagining that is being done on Porsches or there's a few companies that did it on like a Lancia Delta or a Lancia type of car where they basically rebuild the old car to the highest standards now and usually you sell at extremely high premium but if they if, if somebody does that on an F40 where they essentially take that rawness kind of give it more of a livable space and i don't mean taking away from what the car is but maybe i don't want to see carbon kevlar floors i'm going to put alcantara in places it needs to be i might change out the buckets to certain leather one very much give it that same race car but maybe 
I say grand touring, but that takes away from what the F-40 is. But basically what I'm saying is somebody modernize the F-40, but keep it the same. We're not going to wide body flare it. We're not changing the body. We're just taking everything underneath it and around it and we're cleaning it up all the way to the standards that we have now. Similar to what they do with the Singer and the Gunther work on the Porsches and maybe even doing it for other Ferraris. The Testarossa would be a great example. Old three, you know, maybe even old 328s. That would be a great example. Um, F the 348s, the 355s, um, three, 360s and up are kind of new enough where it's kind of like you can leave those alone for now, but like 348 would be really, really cool example and the Testeros and like maybe the old 328, 308s and stuff like that. But that's the other side that I understand when people are getting mad about saying like they didn't, he didn't do anything. He just did the same thing he always does, but he kind of ruined the car. So I'm like, I get what you're saying. I think I can understand it, but I also have the mind to know that those people might be missing the point of what it is that Liberty Walk is and what he was doing. So I still think the car is amazing. If you were watching anything with the Tokyo Auto Salon, you already saw everything about this coverage and everybody talking about it. So I'm just speaking, you know, I'm just preaching to the choir. Outside of Liberty Walk, we had HKS. Now, they didn't have... I hope when I go to Tokyo Auto Salon that HKS and all these companies are still here and they care at this capacity. That's kind of why I really want to go next year because I don't want to get to the point where I finally go there and like maybe the world's changed again. And they're like, eh, I mean, we used to care. We used to come here with, you know, guns blazing. But now we're just like, yeah, a couple cars here. I want to go when it's still at its peak and its height. And next year would be a really good time to go for me because of the car I'm going to have and what the industry is going to have there. But HKS had their booth with all the history of the cars that they've done from the old drag cars, from the R32 GTR. They used to do like seven seconds on the quarter mile all the way to Supras. And one of the very, very cool things that they had was they have this program where they're basically rebuilding one of the Nice RB26 motors, but they're giving it this thing that's called like the, um, it's just called like the Heritage Edition. One Basically, they're taking one of the engines and they are, basically recreating all the plumbing and intake systems that they have on the RB26 to basically to today's standards, all in like carbon fiber. And it's like, it just modernized the RB26. Like they're making a car too, that has even further modifications to the RB26. And they're hoping to get like something nuts, like 47 miles to the gallon. Cause they're using this dual injector setup and drive by wire. They're doing all this stuff to basically take an engine that was made 20 years ago and basically bring it all the way to the present. And the system that they made, like this plumbing and intake system, if you've ever seen an RB26 and you've seen like a twin turbo setup, there's a lot of intakes and pipes and stuff that got to go around to feed the hot air and the cool air and exhaust out of the car. And so they basically taken that system and created a brand new like 3D model carbon fiber one that fits absolutely perfectly inside of it for like an R32 GTR. I'm hoping that some of the people that rebuild these cars, like the R32s, are going to get this intake system to put on a car so i can see a video of somebody installing it and kind of running it because that's also that's that engine art you know that's that's what makes this this culture so cool because it's like who really cares but then there are people like me that care like i see it i'm like look at the detail that matters what how your engine looks to me matters even though it's always closed i'm one of the whatever i'm one of the weirdos that likes that some people might they just might listen whatever man engine's dirty i just need a drink to run be solid, be fast. I like the way the aesthetics of an engine look when you open the hood. 
So HKS had their booth. It was really cool. Toyota also had a GR Corolla there. And speaking of the GR Corolla, very soon, very soon, guys, in due time and short time, okay, weeks, I'm going to be in one. And I'm going to talk about it. And I'm going to shoot a whole video. I can't wait. Now, GR Corolla was there in limited capacity. Next year, this is why next year's Tokyo Auto Salon matters so much to me because the GR Corolla will be the car that shows well, too, because they would have had a full year of it being out in people's hands. So I'm hoping the aftermarket and everything catches up to it, has a lot more parts, and it is the car of the show because hopefully it is. And when it is, that means it's showcasing so many other booths that I want to be there to see it. Um, There was also... I know, well, actually, no, that might have been pretty much it as far as like what I saw that I liked. I mean, there's a lot more in there. Like if you like wheels, um, um, SSR, work wheels, Volk, raised wheels, they all had different wheel, new wheels that came out. So I kind of follow those people on Instagram and kind of see what they're releasing as far as the wheels go. But if you like JDM racing style wheels, forged ones, and you already know what to expect, like. To some people, the designs are simple. They're not kind of in-your-face like Forge Auto or something of that nature. It's these really big, colorful, in-your-face wheels. A lot of the stuff is very motorsport-inspired, and that's the look that I like. But there is now starting to be introduced this way of having a motorsport and almost, I say luxury, but there's like, you know, a little bit more spice added to it. It's not just, you know, matte black, monoblock wheels. A lot of it is looking a lot better. So I like to see that coming up. One of the greatest things that happened, though, at this event was the, well, now it's famous. There was an underground car meet, right? Straight out of Tokyo Drift, you know. It was secret, not so secret. Obviously, word got out that there was an underground car garage car show happening. And if you're in Japan, if I was there, I would have found out and I would have found my way there, too. Because that's pretty much the recipe for the JDM culture and seeing something that you've only seen in movies or dreamed about or in magazines come to come to fruition. It's everything we talked about. The car show, the, the meat that they had wasn't even like a meat. I mean, it was like its own separate car show with all the cars being driven on the street showing up here. That is what is so cool about it, is that you're seeing cars that you're like, these are show worthy. These should be under the bright lights. But they're down in an underground parking lot with lights that are bright and dim here. The streets, you know, they're driving up on the street. They're coming down here. You can smell the exhaust. I'm just reading articles and looking at videos of this. And I can already imagine that in person it was unreal. Because we've all seen the movies. And we're like, yo, this is literally out of the movies. Like, this feels like it was out of Fast and Furious. Like, this is all the people all the culture coming together, some of the best-looking cars, some of the best-looking style, all together as one. And that's that kind of brings me into why I love the JDM car culture so much. i talked to plenty of people that like cars that are into whatever car they're into. They could be into, you know, muscle cars, motorcycles, classic cars. And I'm always into JDM and the Japanese uh, way of modifying and tune the car because i just like what or even germans germans kind of like but the jdm side of things and how they implement that look onto even american german cars and japanese cars is a unique thing it's just a certain way the style matters and i think 
that if you know about the Japanese culture and world in general, they care about fashion, style matters. And so when I see the JDM Carl culture, I love it because it always brings in the idea of style. It matters the most. I'm not a sleeper person. I don't care for fast cars that look like the regular versions themselves or look janky on the outside and like, oh, it's a sleeper, got a monster engine. I mean, it's cool for like the surprise of upsetting somebody in a faster car, but I'm not a sleeper person. I don't care for just cars that look stock, have a fast engine. Maybe if they're in their proper, maybe if they're in a certain setting, drag racing, I like watching. I love watching. So I like those cars that look like you're a drag racing car. You're going to go race. But if you're on the street, style to me starts playing a role. I want to see the cars lowered. I want to see certain wheels, body kits, wide body kits, wheels, wings, LED lights. I want to see all of it. I want to see the extremely clean stuff, the Euro stuff. I want to see, you know, engine bays that are clean, shaving, looking, you know, look like they're just floating in the air. Like that stuff matters to me. And when I see the JDM car culture and what they do and how they build their cars and what they do with them, it's always been something that I gravitated towards. I didn't even have to be told this. When I was younger, I'm buying car magazines, Road and Track, Motor Trend. And when I finally stumbled upon like Super Street and Import Tuner, um, you know, D Sport Magazine, when I started going to these car shows like Hot Import Nights and, you know, you know, seeing like the Import Tuner shows, that is when I realized like, oh, this is the world that I like. Obviously, Gran Turismo coming out and all these other video games like Need for Speed Underground 2, Racing 2, that that kind of obviously pushes the needle even further. But I started seeking out these magazines, buying option magazines, looking at the volume two, one and two DVDs, looking at them racing the toge. And one of the things that made me love it and why like Gran Turismo was such a big influence to people is because I was looking at cars racing that also had style. See, I'm only, in the American side of things, if you're looking at IMSA or NASCAR, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Those kind of look like four Tauruses. They're just racing in a circle. Then you watch like Super, J, Super GT or JGTC, and it's like your mind's blown. I remember playing Sega, what was it called? Something Supercar GT or Sega GT at the arcade where it had this Toyota Super or JGTC cars racing in the game. And I remember seeing them being like, those look that cool, and they're still racing. And then I would see videos and pictures of people with a car that looked like that on the street in Tokyo, hanging out at a car show. And I'm like, you mean to tell me you can build a car that looks like that? that you don't have to necessarily be some racer or something extreme, but I can get the look. I can get that, that feeling of seeing something that shouldn't be on the street necessarily, but have a very cool presence and stance and look cool. That to me was what married me to the idea of loving JDM culture. I don't ever really talk to anybody in my personal life. outside of like a very close friend that understands why it matters to me. Sometimes you see the cars, you talk about it, and as a person that loves cars, but not necessarily needing others to quantify that love or be on board with me, I might talk about it in passing, saying, oh, it's really cool, I want to see that. I'm sure my wife looks at me, watch all these videos, and probably asks herself, like, he watches these videos enough that this is something a lot more than just, oh, I like cars, and this is just simple things. This, the attention to detail matters. This GR Corolla I'm getting is a pivotal point because 
it means I'm back into starting that point. I got to do a few things with other cars that had like an S2000, a Subaru W, STI, but I'll be honest, I was doing other things I liked at this time too, whether it's moving to another state or trying to pursue another hobby where I didn't really get to dive in as far as I could. This year and kind of the beginning is me giving myself the grace and the time to say, put your full effort into what you love about car culture, JDM culture, talking about cars, hence the podcast. And, you know, kind of pushing forward with that. That's just been something in the back of my head. And this year was kind of the beginning of that. So the GR curl that's coming is also that reason. I'm just going to work my butt off to deal, to do what I want to do with this. That's really the whole point. I'm not stopping with it. Nothing stopping me to doing it. I'm headed that way. This, this whole culture of it matters to me because it was something that I could lose myself in just by reading articles. I read enough articles every single day about it. But just seeing the cars and seeing the people talk about it, I would name off parts and see body kits. And my son will ask me, like, well, what kit's that? And I'm like, oh, that's GP Sports. It's this company over here. And it's just because I cared enough to know the history of it. I wanted to know who made that wing, who did that exhaust, who made those wheels, who made that bumper, who made that front lip. I wanted to know the companies that did these things that I loved. And that's why when I see events like this underground car meet and how everybody loved this so much, that to me is the reason why. It's the like-minded people going into this event, going to this Tokyo Auto Salon show, and basically embracing all the things they love about JDM car culture because it's all-encompassing. They they like everybody. They love what you do. They don't take anything away from what it is that you like as a style and it it shows it shows in the cars that they build it shows in the work that they do it shows in the fact that everybody's accepted for what they do but everybody being accepted me doesn't mean that for that they just allow anything to to pass right i'm not saying that they don't got bad bills in japan what i'm saying is that the people that come to really represent the culture when they stand down and say hey we are what this culture is. The quality in the cars and the execution is so high. And it's respected and it it means something. It's a representation. It's kind of like if you walk out the house, some people are like, I want to put some decent clothes on, clean up, look my part so that I can represent myself and my family can represent us together. We can, you know, look decent, look the part. We're not just going to run out the house with like pajamas on and a dirty face. So to me, that's sometimes when I go to car shows and I see cars that are just like kind of slapped together. I'm just kind of like, I mean, like, what are we doing this for? Like some of this stuff, it, it means more to me than just like slapping parts on and saying like, hey, I got cool points. Follow my Instagram. My car is low. It's scraping all over the place. The fenders are jacked up. I like to see people buying the parts from the manufacturers that we care about, not knockoff parts, getting the real thing, put it on the car and moving the culture forward for another generation because you don't want to get it lost in this idea of like, hey, you can go the cheap route, get the likes, get the clout, really don't care about cars. All this stuff matters, at least to me. And maybe I'm preaching poetic, maybe I'm preaching to the choir and somebody else is going to be like, yo, who cares? We're going to be driving electric cars anyways. But for the time being, and for the time coming up and when this GR Corolla I'm getting shows up and what I decide to do and what I plan to do moving forward is going to be basically me taking these words I've said and putting them to fruition. Ooh, Putting them to fruition. Me talking and executing, not just talking 
on a podcast to myself and never doing anything. I'm going to have a video. I don't I'm not going to video the podcast, but my videos of the car on the YouTube channel where I put up these podcast episodes of me when I get that car and when I do more with it because I want to document it. And then when I get older, I'm not on my deathbed saying, I wish I would have bought it. I should have bought it. I drove the regular car every day. I could have just worked harder. That's not going to happen. Not this year. This is the beginning of a lot of very cool things. A lot of blessings. I don't want to say hopefully. It'll be a lot of blessings because only good things can come to those that put in the work. Those that put in the trust into into the idea. So I'm going to do that. It's been a good episode. It's done here. Don't really have much to talk. No, not much to talk about. We've been we've been good. It's been long enough. I've talked long enough. I need to drink some water. So it's been real. Car quicks. It was about the Tokyo Auto Salon. Do as you wish. Do as you may. It's your host Cameron. I'll see y'all later. <laughs>